Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I am your host, Evan. And I'm that jelly to that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's Cody, guys. What's going on? Man, these these just, you keep rolling with the hits. I had to. I just That's, had to. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, December 16th. We're getting close to the end of the year here, Cody. So, we are. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Thank God. I think existentially, thank God. But <laughs> as we were just talking about off air, it's been a pretty good year for movies, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing we're all able to come together and actually do right now, it feels like, right? I guess, yeah. We're we're all I was reading something about that and they were talking about like happiest season and how uh-huh. um I can't remember, I think it was on like Polygon or something. And they were talking about the debate between Aubrey Plaza's character, uh, and like whether um Kristen Stewart should have ended up with her. And I was just like, This is cool. Everybody's talking about a movie, like some like <laughs> cheesy hulu movie that that was good that no one would have seen otherwise yeah the real debate here that's what i'm talking about yeah exactly so we have a show that we're we're doing currently um what is going to be on the rest of this show well the big one i think that i've been most excited about that we mentioned last week is going to be the wolf walkers cartoon saloon release mm-hmm. uh, we're going to dive into that very thoroughly i feel like uh, one of your uh, most anticipated movies of the year right it is. It was. And uh, rightfully so. And we'll get into that. Spoilers. I then have a game for you, Evan. It's kind of a payback game because you had <laughs> to give me a quiz at the beginning of December. And who likes taking tests, you know, around Christmas time? So payback's, you know, payback's coming around full circle, buddy. That's a weird qualifier, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, of course, uh, as we have been doing all month here, Um, we are going to close out this episode with a discussion of the uh, Small Axe Project, uh, specifically this week's film, Alex Weedle. So stay tuned. We got uh, a show for you. All right, Cody. This is it. This is what you've been waiting for. We're talking about Wolfwalkers. Uh, You mentioned off the top that this is a cartoon saloon uh, release. Now, for people unfamiliar, they have released a few films, mostly set in Ireland, um, maybe most famously Song of the Sea, which is on Netflix right now. But they've uh, they've released a few things. And this this latest one is in partnership with Apple TV Plus, who uh, released it here in the United States. What is Wolfwalkers, Cody. All right, let's see what I can get out here in my plot description. So, because there's a lot I feel like that actually goes on in this movie, just, you know, right basic premise. But yeah, there's a girl from England that her name is Robin. They're now in uh, 1650 Ireland. And uh, she really just desires to go hunting for these wolves with her dad. But uh, during the process, she kind of stumbles into becoming friends with one of these uh, Wolfwalkers. Uh, her name is. Uh, all right, I guess, I guess, what is a wolf walker? What is a wolf walker? A wolf walker is a human being that can turn into a wolf and then back into a human being. Okay. I feel like that's a necessary clarification. That is means. a necessary Otherwise, you know, clarification. just a word. True. Because, uh, you know, with the series of events, the little girl, the other little girl, this wolf walker girl, uh, as a wolf, her name is Mabe, ends up biting uh, Robin and Robin herself becomes the very thing her dad is, you know, actually sought after to go hunt is these oh, wolves. And uh, we kind of see the developing of their friendship between Robin and Mabe and how uh, basically ultimately Mabe's mother is missing um, and hasn't really returned to her body as a actual human being uh, is out there in the world as a wolf. And uh, she kind of offers her help and service and kind of has to deal with learning how to become a wolf herself against mm-hmm. uh, the town that is there classic to... very relatable classic very <laughs> relatable but uh yeah i mean that's like i said there's, there's actually a lot to unpack here so it's hard outside yeah well, well why don't we start Two girls making a friendship and uh kind of going from there so are you ready are you ready to unpack you ready i'm ready to, to unpack man open up the suitcase completely all right so this movie you, you're right it's very good uh, i don't know if you said that but you kind of hinted at it uh earlier I saw this as a part of the AFI Fest, and immediately, I think I told you, you're going to love this movie, Cody. 
it's uh, it's right up your alley. And uh, I take it I was right. You were. This might be the most right you've ever been. You tweeted that it was the most predictable thing of 2020 was the rating that I gave this movie and how much mm-hmm. I just enjoyed it. So, you know, you're you're just killing it, Evan. You're right. That's what you want to hear. I know you love when I say that on the show. So. <laughs> Again, I am correct. I'm not going to repeat analysis. it, but. <laughs> But I said it so once. So why do you love it? What What is so great about Wolfwalkers? Tell me. Yeah, so I know, like you said, you saw it at the AFI Fest. And you immediately showed me the trailer with the series of all the films you saw at AFI Fest because I was interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was the most interested in this one. I think just, uh, again, I'm really big, you know, Disney boy and all that kind of stuff. I love animation. Uh, animation, I think, is one of my favorite. I think regardless of how basic the story might be, these always end up being, you know, uh, heartfelt, warm, kind of, you know, just kind of just an uplifting kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and seeing the preview, I was like, oh, man, it's going to be like cool. Like you kind of like I got like a uh, Fox and the Hound vibes like right away uh, from this kind of thing. And, you know, that's another classic movie that I enjoy and stuff. So just from the animation and like the 2D storybook, like I was like, oh, man, I'm going to fall in love with this thing. Uh, and lo and behold, like that was a big draw uh, throughout the entire movie, the way that everything was hand drawn and really storybook like. Um, it just it really sets a mood and sets a tone that's just it's really mesmerizing it's really warm like I said like the coloring contrast with the whole you know it's it's portrayed a lot in the woods uh, with the woodwalkers mm-hmm. and stuff and just all the colors that kind of come at you and and the imagery that comes at you and and really just bringing that kind of story to life um, was was more than beautiful more than what I could have asked for um, and then you kind of get to dive into the actual story which wasn't as much as it, you know you say this 2d style animation that's you know kid friendly it, it felt way deeper than that i feel like the characters were way deeper like you can like make sense of uh, robin or even mabe uh, the wolfwalker herself mm-hmm. and kind of you know you kind of grow attached to them in their own light with what they're kind of dealing with throughout the story and we can dive into that here um, but it just added that more richness to this this tale that they're trying to tell. And it just it really just painted a, a great picture overall. Of course, literally a great picture. And the story itself was, like I said, just more than I really could have asked for. And I just, like I said, man, warm and fuzzy feelings like all the way around. And this movie ended and I was just like, oh, man, like I immediately just wanted to rewatch it. Like, And, and I usually never did. feel that way. Yeah, and I did. I watched, two, I watched it twice <laughs> in a single weekend. So... I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy, but yeah, I just, I love this film, man. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I watched it twice as well. Um, at AFI Fest, I had it unlocked for like two days. So I, I ended up watching it again, um, a, a couple of days later. I, I want to put a pin in the, in the animation conversation for sure. a minute. We'll, we'll come back to that, um, sure. and sort of talk about it in a broader scope. But I do think you're right that it is so, it, it's just like innate to what makes this movie what it is like i don't think this movie is quite the same without the way that it's animated but just as far as the story goes like that i was kind of blown away with wolfwalkers from even the first viewing right like you are kind of swept up in the visuals and and the just the way everything unfolds in the movie but for me what really made it work was it was like that fantastical appearance but it was really grounded in the story that it was trying to tell right and cartoon saloon does this a lot with their their films i actually watched all of them except the breadwinner this weekend because i'd seen that one uh, earlier in the year but each of their movies is grounded in some sort of lore around a, a community usually irish um folklore uh, the breadwinner is um, is more Middle Eastern inspired. But uh, for me, like what's cool about that is you get this story of like these magical wolf walkers, right? But really what it's all about is finding community and finding your family, right? Like yeah. the, the way I look at it is Robin is an outsider in Ireland, right? She's the English girl that's come in with the, with the Lord protector to, to basically impose English rule. Like, obviously, she's not specifically doing that, but that's how she's viewed within her community, right? And then she kind of has no freedom either way. Like, the, pe- the kids in the town don't care for her. Her dad is just trying to keep her protected and safe and locked up at home. 
And then she goes out into the woods and she gets bitten by, by Maeve. And uh, now she's an outsider in, in this other community as well. She's a part of like these two communities that are viewed as vicious. And it's all about her basically figuring out how to survive in those environments and how to thrive in those environments. And like, yeah. that's one of the things that did you, did you kind of take that from it as well? Yeah, I think know, that's kind know. of like the, the story. Yeah, you know what? I actually got that more the first time I watched this. Again, swept up more by the visuals. But mm-hmm. watching it the second time, uh, you've hit a lot of it on the nose. And it is a lot deeper than, like I said, what is, you know, of course, it's portraying that 2D storybook telling that would be for kids. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's, it's it's at a much deeper level of a story than I think many of us expected, myself included, um, because Robin is this not yeah, She is an outcast. You're right. Completely. Um, and then the cage aspect of it too, like there's that moment where she even says in the film, I've already been locked in a cage after most of the movie goes by and her dad's doing everything to protect her. But in doing so, she's just, she's not free. That's why she loves hanging with Mabe and, and getting engulfed in being a wolf walker herself because she, she gets that freedom from that, right? Um, and that's kind of like a cool aspect, like to see that and how that kind of transpires and how the actual wolves, even if that is her outcast, because she's, you know, wasn't supposed to be a wolf walker to begin with, mm-hmm. ends up being her so-called pack and, and, and knowing what it means to fit in and all that kind of stuff. So uh, much right. deeper level. Uh, no, absolutely. Cool. And I think that even comes through, especially with like the very end of the movie, which I don't necessarily want to spoil because uh, it did just hit uh, Apple TV this last weekend. But I, I think too, like the cool thing is that you can even go deeper than that as well. Like for me, that's what stuck, uh, stuck out the first time around was just this idea of like friendship and community and, and like finding your place in an unfamiliar world. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like a, this is a metaphor for like imperialism as well, right? Like the British are occupying Ireland and like this is a, a movie made by a studio that is very rooted in Ireland. Like the studio was founded and, uh, and operates out of Kilkenny, Ireland, which is where this movie is set. And so like, you definitely can see sort of the dangers and the evils of like occupying forces and, and colonialism. And, and you get some of that with the wolves as well. Like the, the English are also trying to overtake the woods and so you see that like these communities that, that got harassed or overtaken, they're sort of fighting back as well. And, and there's an interesting thing to be said about this film as an allegory for, for the British Empire and sort of the effect that that's had on the psyche of Ireland to this day. And so that's something I, I I just, I get like blown away when movies can really operate on these different levels, right? Like if you're just a kid watching Wolfwalkers and you get to see a story about a couple friends who get to turn into wolves and have adventures and stuff, that's awesome. If you want to take like a little something out of it, you can talk about this idea of community. And if you really want to dig in, there's, there's so much more to find throughout. I think that it really makes it really takes this movie from just being like a good animation to like a truly special film. Yeah. I think you hit a lot of it right on the nose. I think there's a lot of, like you said, there's people like you who will, who touch on the imperialism. And I think you see it in the colors now that you're saying that, like a lot of it was red and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. people and whatnot. Um, the middle class, like more myself, it's like, okay, you know, Robin has that underlying like being caged. And then of course, just the, the kids, you know, they see the pretty colors, they see the friendship and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you feel good at the end of it. So um, it, it definitely hits on a lot of boxes, not only for enjoying the movie, but for everyone to enjoy the movie for different reasons. So you're, you're right. Love to check those boxes. <laughs> so I, I think that, I don't know, is there something else you want to say before we get into the animation, which will, of course, loop back into Wolfwalkers as yeah. well. But is there anything else about the film that you really want to like touch on in terms of story? No, I think I think we touched it all on the nose without spoiling the very end, which I don't think we should right here. So uh, I'm good with it, man. Let's, uh, let's dive into some animation more. So yeah, and we we talk about this on the podcast every so often. It does um, come up, yes. Yeah, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna contextualize this. So so last week we talked about 
the Disney investor call briefly because uh, it hadn't happened yet. But the day after uh, the podcast went out last week, Disney announced its whole new slate of movies. And that is, you know, from Marvel to Star Wars. And then, of course, their traditional animation and, and stuff like that. And it, it seems to me watching that, uh, and I watched quite a bit of that investor call, that Disney is sort of doubling down on, on this idea of just like, we're not creating necessarily like art, right? We're not trying to make something transcendent. We're trying to make something that will appeal to everyone mm-hmm. that will spawn off things that, that, or that will spin off into things that can make us more money. It's, it's really like a commoditization of animation. And, and Disney has been doing that for ages now, but just with the way that they're structuring their everything, uh, it really seems like that is the strategy going forward is just we are going to make things that are not going to be controversial, that are going to be easily mass produced, which ties back into this 3D animation thing. So not to get into like super detail on it, but essentially like the, the movies that Disney makes at this point are all based off of these uh, animation software tools where you basically have models for characters and they get tweaked slightly, which is why um, Rapunzel looks a lot like um, either of the sisters from, from Frozen, right? They're not identical, but like you can tell they're made by the same mold. So to me, like watching that and then watching Wolfwalkers again uh, on, on Apple TV Plus uh, when it came out, it really like hit home for me like how impressive Wolfwalkers is is just like a piece of art. And I wanna I wanna get your take because you are a bigger fan of Disney and the things that they're doing than than I generally am, as anyone who listens to this podcast sure. could uh, could tell you. But I, I don't know, seeing the the difference and, and hearing you gush over the the 2D animation yeah. um from from Wolfwalkers. Does that, what, what is your perspective on the whole thing? Well, first off, I was going to see how long it took for us to talk about capitalism or ladybird. So we're like 20 minutes in. That's pretty good to only bring it up then. So good job, Evan. Good job. Good job. Had but, to do uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's not that I don't still enjoy, of course, Disney movies. I think we all still enjoy Disney movies. And we've had that conversation plenty of times with the whole capitalize on their gains kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 3D, I mean, it's come a long way, right? Like, you know, when we first got 3D movies with Toy Story, whether, yeah, with Pixar and stuff, like it, it was like an eye opener, right? It's a change in technology, it's a change in, in how we kind of viewed movies because we did have the era of all the 2D with Disney, which was really mm-hmm. great. Um, I just personally, yeah, I, I'm more drawn to, I guess, the appreciation of this medium. I guess you'd say it's not really a form, yeah, it's a medium. So of 2D because it's like there's a lot of work that goes into that. And I think it's more, at least for me, I think I appreciate that more because you're right. You're, you're able to tell a story. You're able to take the time to engulf people in this surrounding of telling said story that just doesn't necessarily hit. I feel like with 3d movies Mm -hmm. as much because of the whole CGI and all that thing, like you're blown away by that, but you're not captivated by the world around you. Like I can't think of a, a movie that, recent time with disney where i'm captivated i guess by the world around me like with like i mentioned with Wolfwalkers, um just the va- uh, vibrant colors of like the forest and stuff the greens the yellows and all that kind of stuff where you're right it's just it it's really kind of just that picture perfect engulf mm-hmm. into this forest um the firing aspects of uh the fire and all that of you know the lord protector and stuff when he comes to go burn the forest and how it's all red and it's it's really hitting you up front and you're like oh oh, crap kind of thing and you know you're rooting for robin and you're rooting for Mabe in those situations and stuff um where i just i don't know if i feel that with disney i know disney is definitely the powerhouse um feeling anything with disney would be an accomplishment (laughs) yeah um and and not to you know steal anything away from disney with what they're doing but to not give (laughs) please (laughs) but to not give credit right like cartoon saloon and maybe not give credit to tim allen for being (laughs) buzz Lightyear. no i'm kidding but but right i i love the double down approach because it seems like uh of recent dizzy is there it's you're right it's not worth the profit to them to go back to 2d i guess it really isn't it's more work it is it's more work 
um, which it is kind of sad, right? Because they got their name off of, well, of course, that's the technology they had available to them. But to not go back, to not do something mm-hmm. as an art form, it, well, I mean, just look at Princess sad. and the Frog. Like, look mm-hmm. how gorgeous that movie is for what that's it is. Movie. Yeah, it's yeah. very. I, so I think, too, like, I don't want to just shit on uh, 3D animation because I just, I don't think it's necessarily. <laughs> inherently bad Um, although i guess i've made that case in the past like when pixar was doing that and still what pixar to this day is doing is that is the place uh in the disney umbrella where they're innovating right they are trying to make their animation more realistic or more stylized like the pixar movies don't all look exactly the same they have their pixar style but they're all tweaked a little bit and and part of the reason that those movies win best animated feature almost every time they're nominated is not just because the stories are great but because the the animation is innovative as well like they were the ones to basically master water animation and the ones to master like fur and in monsters inc um that was like a huge breakthrough so i don't want to necessarily say that that's a problem the problem i have is that the way disney's doing it is they have built this template and every movie comes out of this template looking more or less the same um trying to force this sort of like sort of realistic look whereas something like wolf walkers and i want to talk about cartoon saloon broadly um and and you'll see this when you end up watching these movies as i'm sure you probably will yeah, I want to um, throw that out there, that Wolfwalkers is the first cartoon saloon movie I had seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering how that plays effect into going back now and revisiting, um, what was it, The Sea, right? Song, um, yeah, Song of the Sea, which is, is very good. Um, Secret of Kells was their first Secret movie, Kells. which is, is sort of, it feels like a, a predecessor to Wolfwalkers. Yeah. And then, of course, The, the Breadwinner, which is, uh, which is also quite good. Mm-hmm. But the thing I want to point out, because Wolfwalkers is certainly the deepest film that they've made, like the, the most wholly rounded thing. But the thing that, that, uh, that Cartoon Saloon, in, in their short existence to date, uh, does really well is they tailor their animation to the film. Three of their four films were directed by the co-director of, of Wolfwalkers, Tom Moore, um, and they all look a little different. Like the character design is a little bit different in all of them. And they're all sort of tailored in a different way. So like Wolfwalkers, you mentioned off the top, is sort of like this storybook design that is, it's stunning, really. I mean, like you see sort of like the, the pencil lines in different scenes and things like that. And it it yeah, really they, is additive to the, to yeah. the film. Yeah, when, they, when they're... Um, when they're wolves or when they're humans and they're looking whatever. at them. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Right. And it's different. It's not something you see a lot. But like the Song of the Sea, for example, is is obviously by its title, very uh, – water is very um, important to the story that's being told there. And all the backgrounds in that film are watercolor. And there's little watercolor flourishes throughout the film just because it fits the the, the story. Right, and the breadwinner is is much more influenced by Middle Eastern art, and it really works for that film. Like each of those, the thing I'm saying is like each of these films is intricately designed to get the most out of the story it's telling, both visually and thematically. Whereas I just don't see a whole lot of other studios doing that. Like mm-hmm. their their films are just sort of box cutter, um, trying trying to make what they can make as quick as they can. And, and I think it makes sense that, that Cartoon Saloon's only made a, a four feature films in their... Oh, Is it 10 years? 11? 10, 11 years. Right? Yeah. yeah, so they're not releasing films every year or anything, you know? And, and I think it's, they're better off for it because the films that they have released have all been at least a certain level of quality. So I, I think the animation adds a lot to it. The way it's designed is part of the storytelling and it really allows them to go places mm-hmm. with the film that maybe you couldn't, if you were going more for that realism of the 3d animation. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that's more exciting. Um, to, I mean, 
like you said, 2009, I think was the first. And the last one, Song of the Sea, I'm, I'm looking at was 2016. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just right there, that's four years. And, uh, you know, at, you're right. It's that excitement level. Because um, I know Kelp was, I think, uh, Oscar Se- nominated. Secret of Kells. Yeah, Secret of Kells. Yeah, it was. Oscar and I, I think the breadwinner was as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's something special there, right? Do you know that them doubling down, you know, give shout out to Cartoon Saloon for, you know, doubling down on this 2D animation style and, and taking their time to craft something that, you know, when it does come time to release, at least, again, for me now in the future, knowing, you know, what they've done and stuff and with Wolfwalkers especially, like, I'm going to be just as excited um, for whatever when, comes next. whenever comes next. Where yeah. You're right. With Disney, it's like, oh, it's out. I'm going to go see it regardless, but maybe that excitement level isn't there as much. Um, um, so I get that. And yeah, I was, I was all in on Wolfwalkers when it hit like that middle two with uh, even that like little song choice style they added in there mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm all in, dude. Like, cause you're right. That was a lot of the, her turning into like a wolf and then seeing like her surroundings. That's all uh, pet- uh, pencil sketched in and stuff. And I was just like, dude, this is so beautiful. Like it's crazy. So um, like I was all in at that point and it just, it kept hitting uh, like I said, as we continue through the movie on the 2D animation and all that we talked about beforehand with uh, the imperialism and the, the deeper meaning of Robin being caged and all that kind of stuff. So there's just so much to this film that just makes it so, so good. Wolfwalkers, it kicks ass. <laughs> so I, I don't really got anything more, man. You got anything you want to no, add? No, I, I don't. I was going to use that as a transition, but then I realized we haven't done the Letterbox Roundup yet. So yeah. let's do that. <laughs> Letterbox Roundup. Um, right, if it, if you ahead. haven't heard it from the excitement of my voice and what I've said about so far in this entire segment, Wolfwalkers is a perfect film for me. Five out of five. I cannot fault it for what I like out of movies. So five out of five, man. Love it. All right. Um, that's your first perfect movie of the year, isn't it? It is my first perfect movie of the year. Wow, yes. that that is exciting, and and this is this is big news because Cody almost never gives five stars to movies. I don't. I yeah, I'm not one of those five star kind of guys. So I don't know. You had maybe two or three last year. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I uh, I gave it a four and a half out of uh, out of five. I I like this movie uh, a whole lot. And uh, speaking of the Secret of Kells and uh, and the Breadwinner, this will probably join those as uh, Oscar nominees. Um, it might win. I don't know. We still have to see Soul, but yes. but it's possible. All right, Cody. You said you have a game that you want to play. Are you, right. Yes, I do. It it is called the Animation Revenge Quiz Game. <laughs> okay. Because you quit, like I said, you quizzed me early on, I think, of December. And uh, I wasn't having it because who knows that the first Santa appearance was in the 18 freaking hundreds. Nobody, <laughs> by the way. Um, so I figured, you know, let's, let's make a little quick quiz, animation right. style. So uh, I have a mixture of games, I think, that we've played throughout our episodes here. And so we're going to go through them one by one. I have five ultimate questions, really. Okay. We're going to see how much animation knowledge you really have, Evan. I'm guessing so, very little. We're going to start. We're going to start with our letterbox rank system. We're going to rank these four films that I'm going to give you. And uh, <laughs> what better than starting with a very, very good Studio Ghibli. Okay. So I'm going to give you four films, and you're going to rank them by letterbox rank. All right. Are you ready? Now I'm grabbing a pen. Hold on. Oh, you Let's... have to grab a pen. <laughs> Yeah, because you're going to list off a bunch of things. I want to have them written down. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so our first film we have is going to be My Neighbor Totoro. Love Totoro. Yeah. I know. You, I think you've seen – I would be surprised if you haven't seen all of these. I've, I've seen – I have not seen Studio Ghibli in a while. I wish I would have gotten They're all on earlier. HBO Max. I know. They are all on HBO Max, so I did highly recommend you guys check these out. I know I've seen them when I'm younger, um, but I can't think of the last time i've actually seen a studio ghibli movie to be honest with you it's been a while am i just rating totoro is first and last in this in this ranking that you've given me <laughs> no, no no there's more i'm gonna give you the second one are you ready it's gonna be yes. princess Monoki. i actually have not seen that one Ooh, perfect that makes this a little bit more fun now but i do believe that it is called princess mononoke okay. i don't know for My sure bad. i don't know uh, there we go apologies the to the name princess regardless we move on spirited away gotta sure. add it in there and our final and fourth film in our ranking system is going to be Castle in the Sky. 
Haven't there were some other either. ones that I could have shouted out, but uh, they ended up being the same ranking, so that would have been <laughs> no fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting because uh, Studio Ghibli is uh, very popular amongst the Letterboxd uh, community. Yes. I do happen to know that Spirited Away is the top-rated um, one. That <sighs> that I'm I'm pretty certain about. Okay. Uh, um, I'm going to go with My Neighbor Totoro 2. Princess Mononoke at three, and then Castle in the Sky at four. Okay. Uh, that was very good. Very good, Evan. But you were off by one, and I can't really fault you because it's literally a point one rating. We're going to flop that My Neighbor Totoro. That's actually number three at a 4.2. That's kind of surprising to me. Princess was 4.3. Okay. Uh, Castle in the Sky, right, was the last at four. And uh, Spirited Away, number one, 4.5. So... Pretty good. I, you know, I like Spirited Away. I don't love it as much. I, that's maybe my most controversial animation Perfect. opinion yeah. is, that, really? is that Spirited Away is overrated. Okay. Still good. Hot but, take. Evan thinks Spirited Away is overrated. But My Neighbor Totoro, what an excellent film. Number three on this current list. Yes. So, sorry, buddy. Oh, All God. right, you ready? You ready for question uh, number two? Sure. What, are we, what is the game? It's not a game. This one is actually a question. I have questions and games. This one's just a <laughs> Okay. So everyone knows the first 2D animation film for Disney was Snow White, released yes. in 1937. Mm-hmm. That would have been a stupid question to give you, so I didn't give it to you. <laughs> but do you know the first Disney digital 3D film? What is the Disney do, digital? Oh, I think I do. What year was the... it released? Oh my God, what is that movie called? It's the yeah. it's the one with the farm animals. It's the. Um... Oh, let's see if he knows. What, what is it called though? I, I I knew this. I just can't think of them. <laughs> It's like Home on the Range or something? No, it is. You're, you're going to be bad at yourself because you definitely, I think, are thinking this. It's Chicken Little. Oh, yeah, Chicken Little. That's right. No, I was not thinking of that. I was thinking oh. of Home on the Range. But I, really? I was aware that that um, Chicken Little Chicken. was right there on the <laughs> Zach Brown. You should have you taken credit for it because I really would have thought you would have. Chicken Little is a bunch of farm animals. So It, it is. That's true. Don't they sing? Uh, they sing a song by the Spice Girls. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. It's been a while. I think I saw Chicken Little in probably 2005. Evan, I don't know if I've seen it since then. So yeah, wild. All right. Question number three. This is a list game. So get your pen ready oh, again, buddy. God, another list. Okay. Yeah. This one you also will be ranking, but it's going to be by box office. These are Pixar 3D animation box office. And you're going to rank them from highest, and this is lifetime gross. Okay. Highest to lowest in terms of what they grossed. These are the four films that I picked. I picked your favorite because it wouldn't be a Pixar list without having you shout out Inside Out. So Inside Out is on the list. I was about to say Lady Bird's not a Pixar (laughs) movie. Had to do it. Incredibles 2 is on the list. Okay. Finding Nemo, I will add in there. And Toy Story 4 is going to okay. be in there. Those are my four films that I'm giving you. Highest to lowest lifetime grossing films. For Highest Pixar. to lowest. Okay, this is mostly a guess. But I'm going to go with Incredibles 2 uh, first. Okay. I'm going to go with Finding Nemo. Then I'm going to go with Toy Story 4 and Inside Out, uh, rounding out the bunch. Okay, this is your most jumbled, messed up, complete... <laughs> I could tell it was a guess kind of answer. Um, you'd be surprised to know. And again, my sources aren't always correct. But in this case, from what I looked up, I, I used the Mojo. So don't get mad at Mojo. I will. Uh, Toy Story 4 was number one. 608 really? million grossed. Incredibles 2, 434. Inside Out, 356. And Finding Nemo, 339. Ah, the Nemo one surprises me. That that strikes me as a movie that would have people would have gone back to see. Inside Out, I thought would be a little too high concept for mm-hmm. people to like rewatch. Toy Story four, I just thought people weren't interested in. So that's uh, that's where that came from. Incredibles two though, the the hype was real for that. Although that movie <laughs> was just okay. So yeah. So that's where we stand, buddy. That's where we stand. My sources could be wrong because I thought Incredibles 2 was higher, but I I double-checked it. So regardless, maybe you're a little bit closer than I I give you credit for. Let's move on to the next one. I'm correct. I'm just going to give myself credit for it. All right, give yourself a point. You have one point. Uh, It's a question. Are you ready for the question? No. Yes. Okay. Maybe. I think you can get this one right. I think you know enough 
It's kind of like the Snow White one. What is the highest grossing animated movie of all time? Currently. Highest grossing animated movie of all time? Well, it's got to be. It is, it's probably Frozen, right? Would you like to add a one to that Frozen? Well, I, I'm assuming. Oh, is, is it Frozen 2? It is Frozen 2. Currently just to go number one. 1.3 billion. That's awful. I feel awful <laughs> about that. <laughs> are you surprised though? Like, no, not at all. Awful, but are you surprised? Okay. No. See, there's I, a difference. I, God, watch better <laughs> movies, people. All right, we're gonna bring it all home with our last question. If you get this one right, I'm kind of like that guy. It's like you get it right, you, you pass the test. Kind of. That's how I'm gonna do it. So if you ever get me, guys, as a professor. Always answer the uh, last question right. It's usually my hardest, but it's worth the most points. Uh, anyways, 2D animation, Disney again, because Disney's the one with all the all the flair, all the you know all the movies. Sure. These are movies that will either have a it's an over under game, uh, one hour and twenty minute runtime, Evan. Okay. So is the runtime of this 2D movie over or under one hundred and twenty minutes? We're going to start with that 1940 classic, Pinocchio, over or under 120 under. minutes? Under. Wait, so 120 minutes is 80 minutes, right? There you go. Yeah. That's, that's difficult because all those early <laughs> Disney movies are right about 80 minutes long. I said this is my hardest question, so you're right. Under. You're deductive under. Pinocchio is sitting at a runtime of 88 minutes. It is over an hour and 20 minutes. Fuck. I knew it dragged <laughs> in that whale sequence. <laughs> yeah. All right, carry on. Our next movie, moving up the chain, 1942, just two years later, Bambi, over or under 120 under. minutes. You are correct. 70-minute runtime what, for uh, Bambi. 70 minutes? 70 minutes. I mean, what Bambi. else? You, you shoot a deer. There's a skunk. I don't know. What, what really happens in Bambi? Thumper. You forgot about Thumper. Regardless, I digress. We have, in 1950, Cinderella, over or under? Oh, that one is right on the, the cusp, I think. I watched that, and it's a surprisingly short uh, movie, so I'm going to go under. You would also be correct yet again, two in a row, under. 75-minute run Also an overrated movie. That There's a whole bit of that movie that is just about a dog chasing around a cat or a mouse or something. I don't know. It's not. It's weird. Has nothing to do with the core story of Cinderella. They just decided, hey, we need to fill 20 minutes of this movie. Let's put shirts on mice. <laughs> it's, it's insane. All right. Ready? Yes. All right. I'm, I'm just making sure I'm letting you rant as much as you want about these movies. That wasn't part of the game, but I love it. I love it. Gotta Peter, add the Pan. Commentary. Peter, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I'm going to go over. Okay. I'm going to go over. All right, you are incorrect. It was under a 76-minute runtime. Very, very on the cusp. My, my the God, that, there's so much happens in that movie. There's an alligator with the clock. There's a very racist scene featuring uh, depictions of Native Americans that are, are not kind at all. Um, it just feels longer, maybe? It, there's a lot more that happens is what you're saying in a much quicker pace. So Yes. Hey, it is what it is. All right, last one. I know you've watched it recently. I wanted to give it to you. 1989 release, The Little Mermaid, over or under? Oh, that's over, right? You're right. It is over. 82-minute runtime. Not by I much, but it I is I honestly over. thought that was longer than that. Yeah. I don't it know. I feel over. like with the modern movies, they, they kind of are like, all right, we got to get an hour and a half out of this thing. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, man. That was my revenge animation game for you. Well, quiz. you did well because I did very poorly. <laughs> Um, close on the Ghibli uh, movies. You Got had, most you of had the, the farm animal unders. thing, right? I was close on the farm animal thing. <laughs> All right, Cody. We are going to close out the show as we have our last three with uh, Sir Steve McQueen's Small Axe series this week's film is uh alex weedle uh is is what it's called what is alex weedle about oh good god uh alex weedle <laughs> is about <laughs> alex weedle what a Hell surprise yeah. what a shock a plus 
but no, it's uh, he's, it starts with him uh, ultimately being ultimately it starts with him being thrown in prison, and from there we kind of he talks to his inmate, and we learn just about how he's trying to fit in through his childhood, and kind of early years, and just kind of tailors us in that direction on how um, he's trying to just fit in really um, in this in his surroundings and stuff. He doesn't have any family, so. Um, we kind of just get to go through that and what he kind of goes through and, and I don't know what else more to say than that. You know, your, your reviews are always better. Your, your plot descriptions are always better when they're simple to the point. So I will say good job on that (laughs) one there. Um, we have, I I don't even want to say we have a big divergence of opinion on this, this film, because Mm -hmm. I think our star ratings are as far apart as our star ratings for Wolfwalkers. Um, (laughs) But it, it does sort of feel like we, we both took different experiences from this movie. So I, I want to give you the floor here. What, what did you think of this film? Yeah, I, I think it. it's another one of those films where I haven't not appreciated any of the McQueen films. So it's not my lack of appreciation. I think it's my lack of understanding. I don't know if something got lost in translation and what the story they were trying to tell. Um, but ultimately, it builds and it builds and it builds. And, and we get somewhere where... I'm just, I'm confused, I guess, with so much that doesn't seem to happen for so much of the movie. Mm-hmm. And we get to the end. And when it ends, which is supposed to be about, you know, his writing and all the stuff and his contributions to what he's done. It's like, okay, so why did I spend so much time in his childhood, which clearly he didn't fit in? Clearly, this is probably the first film too, just to go right into that where everyone else already had their place in society, whether they Mm -hmm. were treated fairly is a completely different question. But like with him, he didn't fit in anywhere, right? You know, he's trying to get brought up as a kid who they they treat him like shit. And then he gets into his early adult years and it's like, you can't do that. And I mean, he doesn't even know any better. Like the police aren't his friend kind of thing and, and what he needs to, you know, do to in essence survive kind of thing. Sounds like that episode of uh, The Fresh Prince. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it just, I don't know. It just, the chronological order, I mean, I get that it's there. I guess it's the flashbacks on the way and lengths of which they happen mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to have his character come full circle for me for what he ended up accomplishing in his life. I wish I would have got, I guess, more when all was said and done than just the struggles of like, yeah like you need to go to your past to live your future and it's like really like it took you the whole movie to get me there and i don't know i just wasn't as engaged as it as i have been with the others that's ultimately i think what you know i was just lacking with this one so yeah i i get that so i i will say i think it's an intentional choice i mean how how could it not be with a director of steve mcqueen's caliber like every piece of all of these movies has been very deliberate and very obviously deliberate in delivering a point. Uh, for for your uh, criticism, I don't even want to say criticism because I, I don't even know that that is the right word for it, but this idea that we didn't really get into his personal accomplishments, his writing, that it was just sort of tacked on at the end is no doubt true, but I think that that is a choice that was made and, and ultimately, from my perspective, a good choice that was made. Because really, it's, it doesn't matter, right? Like, Alex Weedle's story, in respect to the Small Axe series especially, isn't really about what he accomplished or what he went on to do. Just like uh, Red, White, and Blue isn't really about um, Leroy Logan's like, experience with the police, and Mangrove isn't really about what happened to, the, to these group of people. It's, it's really a story about an experience and about how these individuals typified that experience. So in the case of Mangrove, right, it, that is a movie about social protest and the the court system and how, how it's biased. And Red, White, and Blue is about how the policing system is biased, even for those within the policing system. And then Alex Weedle is really about how it's – it's kind of like Wolfwalkers, honestly, like what we're talking about. It's about finding community and family and, and for people growing up in black communities across, uh, across the United Kingdom. I think what 
Steve McQueen is saying is that like you aren't a part of you aren't grow you don't grow up and feel like you're a part of the regular English like the white English community. I shouldn't even say regular because that's not the right way to say it. But like for Alex Weedle too, like growing up on that side of of English society, he doesn't feel connected to the black community of uh, of Brixton and, and England writ large. So this is a movie about finding his place in the world and finding a way to express himself um, within a system that, that is oppressing him. So for me, I think that like the fact that we don't really get much of his accomplishment and really this is more a movie about his adjustment to a new community and, and his finding of himself through a, a community going through a similar struggle is uh, is what makes this movie really interesting. Like I, I again, I I think we both kind of agree that this is maybe the weakest film in totality of the series so far, mm-hmm. but I still think it delivers a punch, um, yeah. just like they they all have, and I I think it it's done in a really interesting way with the, in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I'll reiterate. Like I said, I appreciate it. Uh, reiterate your, your point that I, it was a director stylistic choice to do it the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just it wasn't as engaging to me. Uh, I know in your review, and I guess I'll bring it up here because I don't really know what else more to say about this film unless I talk about <laughs> it like this. Um, you you talk about like the music being like this form of rebellion, right? Um, and and yet I feel so little of it actually like portrayed in this. And, and then the same thing, it's, you know, uh, his accomplishments in life came from his writing and we get that from his inmate at the end of the, in the movie, like you need to learn how to, you know, you need to read and you need to get educated and, and all this. And, and it gets into his writing. And I, I understand, I guess, that that is the stylistic choice, but mm-hmm. I'm more curious about the music question. I guess I should just go back to that, but like, you know, cause I get what you were saying. Cause I, I read your review before I actually saw this movie. Cause I'm, I'm always kind of curious. Um, but and yet there's so little of it. I don't, I don't know. It just, maybe, uh, maybe it's just me. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I didn't put a clock on how much music was, <laughs> was in the film, but it felt yeah. like it was threaded throughout the story. Right. I think he even says to his, uh, to his uh, cellmate uh, towards the beginning of the movie that for him, it was always about the music. And I mean, there's parts of this movie where it, I mean, it opens up with him at, school as a kid and getting like taunted by the other kids for listening to reggae music mm-hmm. and then there's points where he's becoming a dj and where he's writing songs and <laughs> and he's like hanging he hangs out in a record store and spends all his money there um it, like for me it was just like so central to the to the film as a whole yeah. was like his relationship to music and his expression of himself through music i thought that was really cool like yeah again, no. I, I wrote about it too sorry, sorry to interrupt you trying to interrupt me but um the, the way it. i look at this series though is like each of these films so far at least we haven't seen education yet which is the last one is a dissection of a certain form of protest of the west indian community in Britain, right? And so I think I might have put it in the review, but like Mangrove is rebellion as rebellion, right? Just like straight away, that's what it is, right? And Lover's Rock is joy is rebellion. And then um, Red, White, and Blue, right? It's like fighting back against the system from within, like embracing um, the police as, as rebellion. And then Alex Weedle is about music as rebellion in my mind. At least that's kind of the way that I saw it. So for me, like it's all one and the same. It's all of a theme, but you didn't, you didn't see it that way. I'm glad that we're talking about it here. Cause I think you're right. I think it was so much of an outcast and maybe this is upon rewatch. If I rewatch it, um, it's, if it's, it's his way of fitting in. Uh, I like that you also tied it into Wolfwalkers cause 
whether it's school, whether it's in the community. It's what we do on this like podcast. That. Yeah, it is what we do on this podcast. But uh, I'm glad that you kind of brought those points up because it, it made me, it, it's making me rethink about the film right now in my head and um, the more stylistic choice that McQueen took and the whole outcast approach. And it, it is his way to fit in. And, and maybe I was just kind of tuned out at that point to really make those connections in my head to enjoy this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see that more. And now I, I think... Uh, a little bit more understanding so i do appreciate you bringing some of that, those points up. oh he's revising his review to four and a half stars now <laughs> i will not be revising my review because it is what it is but yeah uh, I, I will say i think that they could have used a little more expounding on uh on the character of alex Weedle in the in the first half i think we don't see enough of his sort of adjustment period it's just like he is having a hard time adjusting to his new community and then he's an ingrained part of it in the next story. And and I don't think necessarily that we miss out on a whole lot in that, but I think that it would have been a richer story if if they'd explored that. But before we go into to letterbox review, I just want to shout out um the guy's name is Jonathan Jules. I think he plays Dennis, the the friend. Great character. Just walking around everywhere saying like let's trot. What a what a great <laughs> what a great thing. I I got so much joy out of that character. Yeah, that's it. That's all I wanted to say. That's fair, and I don't really have much more to say other than uh, I think we should just get into our letterbox roundup. Letterbox Letterbox roundup. You stole my bit. I always say (laughs) letterbox roundup when you always go. All right, Cody. Sorry, I wanted I wanted to be a part of it. All right, you do it now. Do it. I I just did. It's fine. You you tell us what it is. No, because we talked over each other. Do it again. I'm I'm not gonna. I'll I'll say all right, Cody. Before I say that, go ahead. (laughs) Tell tell me your letterbox (laughs) reading. Uh, letterbox waiting is going to be three out of five stars three out of five it's at least three and a half out of five stars which is what i gave it uh i love how we again yeah it's funny the same distance away as wolf walkers but, but it feels different tones. vaster yes <laughs> yeah exactly it's what it is All right, Cody, that does it for another episode of Spinning the Reel. We got to talk about some cool movies today, Wolf Walkers and uh, Alex Weedle, and that's exciting. And Chicken Little. We even got a Chicken Little reference in the podcast. 